When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hit the bell notification so you're notified of any time we put new interviews up. We have them going up daily and sometimes you might be lucky and it might be a double upload day. Um, we've got loads of great guests coming up. I know I say that every episode, but it's really, really true. And it's really snowballing, which is great. Including today's guest. He's deputy editor and he's at Mother Brown. We've had Graham on and now we've got Gordon. It's Gordon Thrower. Hi, Gordon. How are you? Hello. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, mate. <laughs> All I'm the silly. go-to person when you can't get anyone good. <laughs> Shut up. No, we're interviewing everyone. Loads of different fans all over the world. So, um, it, And obviously different age groups and things like that. So it's really, really nice, particularly. I know we're on the countdown to when the Premier League starts. We'll yeah. see. But uh, it's nice to think back and, and look into nostalgia yeah. and stuff. So obviously for you, Gordon, you know, being a West Ham fan for many, many years, what was your, what was your earliest memory of West Ham? Um, I've got vague memories, very, very blurry memories of when I was um, three. Wow. And, um, and everything, for some reason, I couldn't work out. Everything was claret and blue, wherever you walked. When, when I was being pushed around in the pushchair, um, everything was claret and blue and everything smelled of beer. <laughs> and that was because um, I was three in 1964 when we first won the cup. Um, my... my my dad um, is, uh, I mean, family originally from Plasto. Yeah. Um, my mum's side, well, my mum's Irish, but yeah, dad's from Plasto and we lived in Plasto. And um, yeah, literally everything was claret and blue. I couldn't work out why everything was painted that colour. <laughs> and um, dad was, um, went to Plasto Grammar School, he was an old Plastovian, played football and cricket for them as well. This, anybody old enough to remember them. And um, uh, I just remember there was um, some sort of after match party that, yeah. that I was at um which um you know I was just taking along I just remember that I always remember the smell of beer and uh, <laughs> not much changes does it <laughs> so um, I mean actual then you know, actually knowing what West Ham was and yeah. what all that was about obviously came a year or so later when I was a little bit more able to think about these things and yeah, um, yeah. but um yeah again when I was four um we won the cup winners cup and um dad was at that game um and um he's got great memories of, of that game it was a magnificent game of football yeah and the the one memory he always comes out with was um walking back towards the tube station after the game looking at dockers who and bearing in mind it was a little over 20 years previously um we'd been at war with germany yeah. and um the dockers walking down arm in arm with um Munich 1860 fans, oh. you know, saying, who'd have thought I'd be arm in arm with a crowd after all yeah, this time? Yeah, that's on. Amazing. So, um, 
Yeah, I remember that. And then, of course, 66. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough to get a ticket for that. And I've never forgiven him for not sneaking me in as a five-year-old. Because by that time, I knew about... It was going on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading voraciously and everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's how it sort of went. It was... Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, so you got into it quite a, a, quite a good time, really. Considering, yeah, yeah. we win everything every year. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, it was it was just as I started to get older, then 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 we started to not win everything yeah. every year. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, it shows how times change. I mean, back in those days, you get to the start of the season, and you'd have a certain optimism that yeah. you know, given a right a run of games that you know you could hold your own, you could beat, you know. The, the sides and you, you, yeah, there was still a chance of you doing sort of um, maybe even winning the league, but certainly winning the cup. And of course, nowadays, yeah. um, unless you're owned by a country, um, that's not going to happen. You know, so yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's the way the way of the world, did, isn't it? Yeah. Did win a bit, but you know, it was you, you had that. Um, maybe it was just the optimism of being a school kid at the time, but um, you know, I always thought at the start of the season, yeah, we, we can give this a go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I get that. I get that. And you said you've got plenty, plenty of previous experience to assume that was that was going to be the case yeah, you know you said yeah, yeah. you know you, you know if a little boy you won the you won the european cup and next year you know west ham won the world cup so brilliant yeah, you know yeah. Yeah, fantastic yeah. <laughs> so in terms of so in terms of obviously from like the, the mid 60s onwards that's a that's a fair whack of of, yeah. of um fade dreams fading and dying so to speak i saw the um, first game in 68 by the time i was old enough to be oh wow on. So, so since so since then, what sort of that's that's a lot lot of years, obviously supporting yeah. West Ham. It was um, 50, yeah, yeah 50, exactly. It's yeah. crazy. Fifty two now. It's coming up fifty two. Oh, yeah, it's twenty 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 now. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's people, impressive. People get people get less for murder. Less for murder. <laughs> <laughs> Probably double murder. That's fifty yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. What would you say be sort of the the big highlights for you? Obviously, you know, supporting for so long. Yeah, I mean the big highlights, the the cup wins, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the, the 64 one, obviously, as I say, as a three-year-old, all I knew was the colours and the smell of beer. But um, uh, the, the, yeah, by 75, um, uh, 14. Um, in 73, late 73, my dad's job moved. And we'd been living out in Greys in Essex. And my dad's job moved to Hampshire. Um, my parents are still down there now. So there I was at a comprehensive school in Hampshire. Um, the only West Ham supporter in the school. And of course, yeah, 75, we win the cup. I mean, yeah, yeah. how good did I feel? Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was about a third Liverpool, um, a third Southampton, a third Man United supporters down there sort of thing. So I was, um, we had a couple of army brats because there um, a few army camps nearby. So they were yeah. one or two Bayern Munich supporters as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I felt Love quite it. good going in. And those sort of days, like, yeah, the 70s, I used to go to eat school and... Um, it wasn't particularly hot on uniform, so um, yeah, a couple of days there'd be a West Ham shirt, and it'd be for the branded days, obviously. But um, scarves around the wrists, those were the things. I remember going to school with like scarves around my neck and my wrists, all claret and blue sort of thing. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Obviously, you, you know, because you said because you're the only West Ham fan, you just yeah. see, uh, you know, particularly Southampton, yeah, Man United, Liverpool, it's a lot of yeah. red, a lot of red. So you probably stood out like a mile, claret and blue. Of course, so next year, um, yeah, all, all the Mickey taking that I was giving the locals, of course, um, they got their own back the following yeah. year, didn't yeah. they? When they yeah. won it, yeah. Bobby Stokes, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. That's the thing. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I was talking to a lot of people, the Scandinavian fans and stuff like that. And, and just, you know, you don't obviously, you know, you're in Hampshire and you still like, obviously still believe, still, still supported them. It's amazing. You know, I've got this newfound respect for how, 
how global the fan base is. I never realized it was that intense. You know what I mean? I knew people like who lived in like, you know, like, like, you know, around here and I live in Essex and then they moved to America or Spain and they're still West Ham, but from people from the other side, you know, who, yeah. you know, like German Holt, who just like, you know, he's crazy, you know, and it's Oslo. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's so nice seeing, because, you know, at the at time when there's a lot of a fragmentation and division and, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think we're as bad as some fan groups, to be honest, but, it's nice to hear, like... I, I've met a lot, a lot of people from, from overseas, obviously, through the website. Uh, yeah. I can indeed, a uh, big name check out to Ian Ruffalo, Maltese Hammer, who's one of my dearest friends. Yeah. Um, who, um, uh, he, he actually came over, stayed over here for a couple of years, um, oh. a few years back, and um, we became great friends um, through that, so, yeah, to this day. So, uh, hello, mate. I owe you a phone call if you're watching. <laughs> We'll get him on the channel. He'll be on the channel soon. Right. Okay. Let's move on to your ham, Hammers 11, Gorn, because I know you've had a lot of thought into this. Um, yeah. As I said, we try and keep it to a 4 4 2. The only really rule is you have to be in a live to see them play. So obviously, oh, yeah. You, uh, every yeah. single one. Of them, well, yeah. I mean, you've got quite a nice spread, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. You've got Bobby and you've got, but I couldn't yeah. put Bobby and I could put in Javier Margas instead, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's your 11. So it doesn't have to be right. the best players. It's your 11. Definitely isn't the best players. Um, I, I thought about this because like most people sort of will you know, give you a West Ham 11. And again, depending on how old you are and yeah. who you've seen play, there'll be a, a, a sort of list of um, um, certain players who will always get yeah. in there. And, you know, my era. That, I mean, I will say there's probably two of the 11 in there would, would get in there, but I put them in for um, slightly different reasons. So um, I guess this is kind of like the Clint Eastwood 11. It's the 11 with no name. I love it. Uh, um, uh, because it's um, they're just players who there's little stories about misfits, oddities. Um, a couple of a few occasions there, I've met them, and it's little stories about when I've met them and mm. why they've. And you know, it just who've made an impression over the years. Yeah. Um, if you were trying to pick a team to go out and beat anyone, you'd probably give this one a wide berth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, there, there, there are some characters in there, and um, and and well, you know. It's, yeah. Um, whether or not they'd fit into a 4 4 2, um, I've probably taken some liberties with um, no. one of my defenders who might might better have been employed as a wing back. <laughs> oh, that, we're fine, uh, we're but, fine. But, 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 but Susumi, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what you know, okay, but okay, let's start between the sticks for this, uh, right, Clint Eastwood 11. Okay, I've got Jimmy Walker, yeah. Um, now, as I say, best goalkeeper I've ever seen play for us, probably Phil Parks, um, no, no doubt, but. Jimmy Walker was, um, um, there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, one is the um, League Cup match away at Chelsea. Um, and I can't remember the year. Don't get me on the years. No, 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 no. Yeah, But we lost it. I think we lost it 1-0 after extra time. But um, Lampard uh, um, had a penalty against him, which he saved. Yeah. And, um, you know, we came out and we'd given them a damn good game considering we were in. Um, the championship, whatever second tier is called these days. Yeah. And um, so, firstly, just for saving that penalty against Lampard and, and sending us all sort of wild. Um, secondly, um, I got to meet him a few years ago. He did the um, end of season podcast that we used to run. Yeah. And um, we had him one year. It was him and Rufus Brevet that year. And first thing I did was buy him a pint of Guinness. Uh, sorry, drinking Guinness. And it was buying a pint of Guinness purely for that save. Um, yeah, because I've been waiting however many years to do this, Jimmy, mate. <laughs> he said, yeah, you're surprised. I never have to buy a pint around here again. <laughs> um, but secondly, he sat there and he was one of the funniest, funniest guys ever. 
Um, now, the way we ran these, these end of season podcasts, there was, um, there was always two sections to it. Um, the first section was um, recorded for the podcast and, um, you know, edited down and, and broadcast yeah. as a podcast later on. Um, we take that up to half time and then half time, the rules were everybody switch your phones off, no recording and take the old photograph, but this is completely and utterly off the record. And to put it this, how can I put this? <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy sometimes didn't quite know where that dividing line was. <laughs> and a number of times he started a story and Rufus Brevitt would, would, looking sheer horror you can't say that one you can't say that one <laughs> i mean the, the, i think the most printable one and the one i can probably only just about get away broadcasting on here is um, a pre-season tour and you've just got to imagine this yeah. um they'd, they'd been out on the uh, on the rouse for the for the evening as you do on pre-season tours and uh, i think jimmy had um, found himself uh, um in luck shall we say with uh, a, a young swedish lady so uh, and he'd gone home with her and woke up in the morning. And other than, I think he narrowed it down to Sweden. That was just about all oh, he knew where he was. So <laughs> he said, oh, okay, well, you know, thanks very much. Um, I've got to get back. And they were supposed to be training at half eight in the morning or something. <laughs> and this was about, so he'd woken up about quarter to eight. Um, he said, how do I get back? Is there a bus or anything? He said, well, no. He said, taxi? No. Have you got a car? No, we've got a taxi here. Don't you remember? So he ended up having to borrow this woman's bike. And, and it, 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 he said yeah, he got there a bit late and people were training and trying to take it seriously. And then all of a sudden they just see him with his little legs going around them on his bike cycling. And he said that was it. They couldn't, that, that was it for the whole session. Nobody could take it seriously after oh, that. Brilliant. I say one of the more printable uh, yeah. <laughs> stories. That, yeah. um, total, total nutter. Lovely, lovely guy if you ever get to meet him. Yeah. Um, and um, total gentleman. Um, so goalkeepers tend to be a bit mad in the nut anyway, but but <laughs> he does take it to a level. Yeah. And so so he gets in there for being a nutter and a, and a funny guy and, oh, and saving sure. the penalty. Yeah, saving the penalty. And and you know and he, he was a good, he was a good goalkeeper for us as well. You know he did a yeah yeah I mean, I, job in the championship particularly. Yeah, yeah. I, I just remember in that that um, playoff final down yeah. in Cardiff as well, where he where he came out and did his. Um, did his knee in and because yeah. there was photographs of him um, where Ludo's carrying him around on his back. <laughs> and he still yeah. got booked, didn't he? He got booked by the ref. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he had it outside the box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Right, Jimmy's in. Okay, jumping Jimmy's in. Let's yeah. go Let's go left back then. Who have we got left back then? Uh, right, I've got, um, this is just a completely personal one. Um, going back to the 60s, John Charles. Yeah. John Charles. Purely and simply because I think he was um, was certainly the first current and playing professional footballer that I ever actually met and spoke to as a kid. Um, There was another another chap called George Clutie who'd played for Sheffield United but retired, who was a friend of the family, um, who had a big impression on me when you've got an ex-professional footballer in the house, it does. But John Charles was the first um, current West Ham player I ever spoke to. Um, and it all came about through, um, again, being from the East End, my dad, um, had a mate who was an old Plastovian who was an accountant. Mm. Now, these days, West Ham's accounts on it are done by Deloitte's or one of the big boys. But back in those days, um, his, the auditor was, um, uh, some, you know, sort of in a parade of shops guy, sort of <laughs> um, guy called Alec Maguire. And, um, he had a season ticket and, um, also um, had access to 
in the old bowling ground and in the old West Stand, they had this very um, quaintly named um, hospitality area called the Director's Tea Room. Oh, and cool. um, you'd go in there, every now and then we'd get invited in there, like if we were at games and Alec could get us in. So, um, and Carlo, they called John Charles, was there. And um, Alec said, that is John Charles. And I said, yeah, and I was a little bit shy and everything. And um, he said, well, go up here. He's a lovely guy. He'll talk to you. But, you know, um, ask for his autograph. So I went up with my little program and, um, and I said, oh, he was talking to somebody and I was stood there very patiently for what to me seemed like about yeah. an hour, probably half a nanosecond or so. And he looked down and he took Pat me on the head. Now the young man, he said, what can I do for you? And I said, oh, please, Mr. Charles, could I have your autograph? As you do, as you're eight or nine or whatever. Yeah. And he said, he, looked, he actually, I remember he bent down and he said, now then, son, he said, call me John, none of this Mr. Charles. He said, he said, it's, it's only the tax man and the bank manager call me that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little thing, um, completely personal, no other reason for sticking to him. Again, lovely guy to a eight or nine year old, signed yeah. it and um, you know, talked to me for a few minutes about football and um, yeah. So cool. he's in lovely. there just because I met him. Exactly, lovely story. Okay, let's go for, let's go for right back. Then Gordon. Um, the yeah, this is where I played a little bit fast and loose with the. Don't uh, worry. So um, he did play at wing back, so I'm I'm going to claim that one. Yeah. Um, and it's Julian Faubert. Yes. And, <laughs> and purely because of the, the various. Um, I mean, he's very unlucky. I mean, his his first preseason, he did his Achilles tendon. Yeah. Now I've done that playing football, and it's it's not fun. Um, and um, you, I mean, I, I think I had. By the time I did mine, any pace that I had had long gone. But um, if I'd done it earlier in my career, it does really slow you down. You're never quite the same with it. And, you know, we signed a player and um, the one who came back was never quite the player. No. But I've got him in there because of that particularly mad period of his life when he was actually on Real Madrid's books. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Fobert, you sure? Yeah, Fobert's got a Real Madrid. No, no, no. You, you, yeah okay it's not April the 1st is it no it's definitely gone so and um and what well, the story goes was it um the guy, the guy who's managing Real Madrid at the time was Ramos yes I think who'd managed Spurs so clearly of unsound mind anyway um <laughs> but Faubert had actually had two really good games against Spurs in the previous season and um so Ramos when he's yeah, Spurs had got rid of Ramos Ramos ends up at Real Madrid and um, the thinks he had a couple of good games against us. I'm going to sign him. <laughs> <You're doing job>. <laughs> <laughs> there is this fantastic picture. If you can dig it out, look it up on the internet. It's a picture of Julian Faubert receiving his shirt from Alfredo Di Stefano, who yes. I think was the club president or some, some honorary position at, at Real Madrid. One of the greatest players that ever lived, Di Stefano. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, we've got Faubert. And he's, he's he was, he was I remember he was asleep, wasn't he? He pictured him asleep. Yeah, on the... I mean, to be fair to him, that's one of those sort of stories that um, a bit like the Boogers caravan thing that, that yeah. isn't quite true, but it, 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 it's funnier to not be true. Exactly, sort of like, exactly. I mean, it was one of these things where he was sat on the bench and he closed his eyes for a nanosecond. Yeah, you take somebody's photo when when their eyes are closed. He wasn't asleep at all, but it it just because it so much looked like he was asleep. And it was just um, it adds it adds yeah. the, the glamour of it, as you said. It adds to the whole story of it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the Bugus thing was 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 he never had a caravan, and it mm. was. Um, uh, I mean, I'm sure people have got the full story, but um, uh, it was um, somebody used to do all the sort of travel arrangements for West Ham, 
asked where Bugas was and jokingly said, oh, he might, I think he's gone back to Holland. He might have gone, you know, he said, mm-hmm. I didn't arrange his, I didn't arrange his travel. He might have gone by caravan for all I know. And of course it's stuck. Something like that anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like Bugas caravan. It's a bit like the Tottenham lasagna. It's one of these things that's gone down to you know, folklore, even though it's not actually yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, so, that, that's, that's the, that's the beauty of West Ham, isn't it? And all these yeah. stories that happen. But yeah, we'll put Faubert in. Yeah. Good shout. All right. Let's go centre back. Who's your first centre back then, Gordon? Um, do you want the good or the bad? <laughs> or the ugly? Now, uh, we'll go with the good one. Let's have a good one first. Well, well, purely because even I couldn't stick a West Ham 11 that I'd seen in of any sort without putting Bobby Moore in. I'm yeah. putting Bobby Moore in just because yeah. I have to, really. Um, if you want a mad story about him, the one that Greavesy tells about um, when he was under uh, house arrest at the British Embassy in Mexico was, was quite a good one. If you've heard this one. But yeah, the bracelet affair, and yes. um, he'd been released on condition he stayed in the British Embassy. So um, he's sitting in the lounge at the British Embassy, and um, Greavesy, obviously, I've been Greavesy old mates, going back a long way. And Greavesy had gone down there as part of a, 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 a car rally, it was a World Cup rally, London to Mexico, and he'd driven down there. So he found himself in Mexico City and heard that Bobby Moore was in the British Embassy. So. Um, <laughs> Now, now, you or me would, would try and go to the British Embassy, knock at the door, and any chance we could say I'm an old mate. Yeah. Greavesy, I think, may have, had, may, have, may have partaken of intoxicating liquor, shall we say, <laughs> <laughs> so, and decided to um, like climb over the wall at the back and got over the wall and walked through the kitchen, <laughs> and, um, walked into this lounge area, and there's Bobby Moore, and he said it's the first time he'd ever seen Bobby Moore lost for words. <laughs> for anything and so they're sitting there and um it, after a few minutes some housekeeper comes in and um says you know who are you what are you doing here so well, i'm jimmy greaves i'm here to see bobby moore how'd you get in so i came in through the, through the back there not having that you can't come into this way get out if you want to come in you've got to come in properly so she pushes him you can imagine this back yeah. legs of a sort of pushing greasy out the front door <laughs> But then, like two seconds later, he rings the bell. She opens the door and says, "Yes." <laughs> uh, James, he says, uh, "Is Bobby Moore in?" She says, "Yes." Um, who shall I say is calling? <laughs> They're just invited. <laughs> uh, lovely lovely oh, man goodness. story, but obviously Bobby was by far and away um, yeah. best player ever, and um, you know he, he's in there on the strength of that. So of um, yeah, so yeah, Bob's in. All right, that's the good. Let's have the bad then. Well, well, not a bad. I always defend this guy, but he wasn't the greatest. And it's, um, I've gone for Paul Hilton. Yep. Uh, um, obviously, everyone knows the story. We get Burnley in the League Cup and we beat them 10-0. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, we signed the centre-half who's in 10 against us. So far, so West Ham and all yeah. that. And, and I think on his own admission, he was never the, the, the greatest of players that we ever had. But... I forgive him just about everything for one game and one game only. And um, sort of latish 80s, I think, oh, 80. It was after the, uh, the 86, so it's about 87, somewhere around then. I can't remember exactly when it was. but um, And what had happened was um, we were in trouble. We were, I think, third from bottom. Yeah. And shows how times changed. Chelsea were still owned by uh, Ken Bates, who was... Um, whose idea of financing was robbing Peter to pay Paul every week. And, yeah. <laughs> and Chelsea were above us. And um, it was a bank holiday weekend, early May bank holiday. Um, 
and we played them on a Monday morning. It was 11 o'clock kickoff or quite early anyway, early on during the day. And, um, you yeah, know, the points difference, I think we might have been a point or two behind them. And so this was kind of a, a crunch game. Um, yeah. That season, the third from bottom team went into the playoffs against the team that won the playoffs in the Division 2 Championship. So, yeah. Um, yeah, even if you finished third from bottom, you were definitely down, yeah, but you, you chance, didn't yeah. want to be third from bottom if you could help it. So. And we beat him 4-1. And he played out of his skin. Um, Kerry Dixon, who everyone at Chelsea was thinking was the greatest thing since sliced bread, um, who wasn't, but even so, was kept very, very quiet. He had a great game at the back and even scored. He was you know, at the other end. Yeah. And it was one of the greatest games that you, you've ever seen somebody who's on his own admission, probably not very good, have. And as I say, whenever anybody says Paul Lilton, uh, wouldn't he rubbish? I'll always say, yeah, but not in that one game. <laughs> and that, that put us out of the relegation zone. It put Chelsea in it. Um, we stayed up. Chelsea lost the, the playoff and got relegated. Oh, so, um, yeah, so... so. <laughs> So, so you got that. We get that. That. That, that is part. That is so West Ham, though, isn't it? There'll be yeah. like you'll have a player like you know to all his missions. Someone like you know, Jonathan Spector. Do you remember? Ah, it's well, yeah, it's funny you should say that. Oh, but I don't. <laughs> put, okay, okay. We'll talk no more in case, just in case <laughs> yeah. a spoiler. But you yeah. know what I mean? That we they they have an absolute barnstormer, and yeah. they're the best player on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, it's like remember Reese Oxford against against Arsenal when he had like yeah. Ozu on his pocket, and then that was it. That was like yeah, his yeah, one game, yeah. and yeah, All right, brilliant. Okay, love love this love this one so far. I won't won't talk anymore. Um, right, let's go let's go left wing. Who have we got left wing? Uh, left wing, um, Johnny Sissons. Um, sorry, I've I've written these down one to eleven here. So like the yeah, left right, wing, the old it. number eleven is as, as yeah. well. Johnny Sissons again, personal one on this first game I ever saw back in nineteen sixty eight. And he was going down the left wing. And um, obviously, we had more Hurst than Peters out there, um, who I'd already been idolising from. Of course, you know, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we were down on the old West Terrace. Um, now, um, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm nicknamed Gnome because I'm not all that tall. Um, so you can imagine how short I was even then <laughs> as a kid. And anybody who remembers the West, West Terrace, the West Stand, the terracing on there, the wall at the front, was ludicrously high um but you were literally i mean you know i'm touching the screen that's how close you were at the players it was yeah really sort of um mad and um so when you're at when you're down on that wing then you, you see like you know, players running past and like and just sissons just impressed me as a, as a good little player um i think you had england i think it was under 23 back in those days rather than under 21s yeah. he's got those sort of honors but never made that step up and um memory may be fading but um i think he had a few knee problems as well at the towards the end of his sure. career and um the sort of thing nowadays you'd be in and out in an afternoon for key yeah. surgery back in a couple of weeks and um sadly those days um you'd have a cartilage off and you'd never be quite the same again mm. and um so he's in there only because he was uh, he impressed me in the very first game. exactly that's brilliant i love love that i love that one. all right we'll put um, put systems on let's put um Let's go to the right wing. Let's go. Who's right, got wing. right wing. Um, again, this is a sad one, really. Um, a little guy called John Ayris. A-Y-R-I-S. Johnny Ayris. Anyone remember him? Um, one, of, one of the early games I went to see there, he made his debut against Burnley. And um, I think we were struggling that season. <laughs> well, we usually are, not we? We were struggling that season. Burnley were as well. And this kind of might have been a relegation six-pointer, but 
Don't quote me on that. Somebody will look it up for that. Yeah, someone will say um, that. We beat them 3 1. Um, Jeff Hurst scored that trick. Um, first time ever sat to see a game as well. Um, I think that friend of ours, Alec Maguire, got to the tickets. And um, Jeff Hurst got a hat trick, but Johnny Ayres, it was his debut. And various things stick out. He had, he had whoever was marking him at Burnley, he had him on toast and set up all three goals for Hurst. And I, always, I mean, remember that, obviously, it's a fantastic debut. I yeah. also remember when um, dear old Bill Renfrew was reading out the teams and it got to um, you know, <laughs> said, number seven, John Ayres. And there were, there were 30,000 people going, who? Oh. <laughs> yeah, literally, sort of massive sort of thing. And he was he was a lovely little player, tricky down the wing, um, sort of a proto Devonshire in a way. Yeah. Um, but sadly, within a couple of years, his career was all but over. Um, uh, that moron Ron Harris um, basically uh, clattered him into the hoardings um, with it with a disgusting tackle. Um, during the course of which, he also made sure he stamped on his chest. Um, Ares got carried off with a punctured lung, broken ribs, and um, that really didn't. I mean, he eventually came back, but he was never the same after that. But uh, so, um, I've never forgiven Ron Harris for that. And uh, yeah, uh, Ron Harris is um, an old friend of the family, did some building work for him years ago when Ron Harris was still playing. And um, Johnny came back, you see, that Ron Harris, he says, he's got to be the most ignorant bloke I've ever met. And, and <laughs> this Johnny was from Plastow. He said, "You can imagine." He says, "I've met a few." Yeah. Uh, and he became a multi-millionaire somehow. He had some business that, that made oh, a wow. mint. So I've always Johnny hated him ever since. So, oh, no, brilliant! I love it. This is lovely stories, Gordon. Yeah. Right, Johnny Harris. Okay, Harris is in. Let's go centre mid. So who's your first centre midder? Um, well, I've put centre midfield. Um, uh, let's go, Johnny. Let's go, John Spector. Yeah, Johnny Spector. <laughs> Um, again, the one-game wonder. Um, now, Spectre was all right. Don't get me wrong. He was never... Um, uh, there was one player I'm coming up to later on, which I'll sort of say, like, if you saw his name on the team sheet, you were going. But <laughs> not Spectre. Spectre was, Spectre was all right, but he was never one player that you, you'd sit down and look at the team news and you'd never say, oh, good, Spectre's playing. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever said that wherever he was, and that's not any disservice to him. It's just he was, um, yeah, a utility player, um, exactly. half decent in any number of positions, yeah. um, but not outstanding in any, any particular one. And of course, the one game he had was against Man United, that League Cup match, where it snowed. Um, I was going out with a, a young lady, a fellow season ticket holder at the time, and um, we got stuck there trying to get get back to my place, um, you know, the other side of London, um, in the snow, no trains. We ended up, I think we ended up getting, we, because there was nothing happening, we ended up going for a late night curry and finally getting a taxi back at some stage. But yeah, yeah. Um, it snowed, but it's just such, he had such a marvellous game. I think he was. told this aloud early on, yeah. didn't he, as well? Yeah, yeah. And, and the stars and, aligned for that one game yeah, for him. Yeah, it was just that one game. And it's like one of those ones, well, yeah, that's the sort of thing that definitely makes my 11, the one game wonder you, you remember for one game. And I defy anyone to name any other games that he played in and any other contribution he made. And yeah. I don't mean that nastily in any yeah. way, shape or form. I, I, yeah, from all accounts, he's a lovely guy. And um, uh, yeah, as I say, that one game is the only thing anybody will ever remember. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It, it is true. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're going to be remembered for something, 
tearing Man United apart in a four 0 win. Isn't a bad yeah. thing. On your top, so. yeah, no, totally. totally. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a weird. That was a weird, weird game, wasn't it? There's a few games yeah. that are just weird, and that was like I remember that one sticks out, not just yeah. for Johnny, but the fact is we just tore McCoy. Totally knew one that day. I just didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, think, like, I think he was in because uh, Scott Parker was injured. Or my brain may be going there, but yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, he, he came uh, on. Yeah, and he started. It was him because he and he played midfield, and obviously yeah. technically he's always on the. It's always like defensive auxiliary player, wasn't he? Yeah, and it, yeah. And it was the first time I think he'd played midfield for us. And he just tore him apart, it and it was like, absolutely yeah. phenomenal. We're like, it, oh it, my it, god! It put me in on? mind of um and. Uh, Know if you're old enough to remember. 1972 nope. <laughs> and West Germany that date it won't it West Germany playing England at Wembley yeah. and um, they had a player called Gunter Netzer who would pick up the ball sort of deep in his own half and just go storming forward nobody could lay a glove on him uh, we lost 3-1 that one but um, yeah it was <laughs> Jonathan Spector and Gunter Netzer in the same sentence there's a rarity for you <laughs> there's a rarity brilliant alright who's, who's Spect's gonna, gonna partner in the middle then Gordon um, Right, here's one, and this is the one where I, I, I'm, I haven't listened to all of it. Yeah, no worries. I have heard, right? But if, if he's in anybody else's team, I'll be very surprised. Go ahead, then. Um, it's a player called Peter Eustace. No, Peter is, uh, no, he hasn't been in there yet. Peter Eustace, right, okay. Um, this was because not, I can remember no meaningful contribution to any games that I ever saw him in. He, he only played about 30, 40 games for us. Um, we signed him from Sheffield Wednesday, I think about 1969, something like that, there or thereabouts. Um, but um, he was club record fee as well, it was something like £90,000, club record. And he stayed about a little, little more than a season. And um, I think he went on to manage Sheffield Wednesday later on. But the reason I remember him um, is um, some players are always going to be on a hiding to nothing um, for reasons beyond their control. Yeah. Uh, with Peter Eustace at the time, and I think it might be a Daily Mirror, but one of the daily newspapers, which sold millions more than they do these days, had a single frame cartoon in there every day, which was called Useless Eustace. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, good job. You're, you're on a hiding to nothing. And I always felt sorry for the poor bloke. <laughs> um, a guy called John Greenall did the did the cartoon. Um, I think he's no longer with us, but it, this used to be a little single frame of cartoon. It wasn't a, a recurring yeah, yeah, story yeah. or a strip or anything like that. But it was just this bloke who was useless, whatever he was doing. It was, um, you yeah, um, know, it was him being useless. And it was useless, useless. Of course, <laughs> you sign him, club record fee. What are you going to hear on the terraces? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, and I just always felt sorry for him. Um, he gets a mention in... Um, I think the first of Trevor Brookings' autobiographies. And uh, Trevor's very, very generous. He, he said it was, um, he wondered if his days at West Ham were numbered back then because when they signed Peter Eustace. And he describes Eustace as a, 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 something like a, a similar sort of player to me. And I think, I think Trevor, you've been a little bit too generous there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was just, you know, just because of his name. And yeah, it, it just it, sticks it, in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. Absolutely so, brilliant. As I say, if anybody else has picked him, well, no. I picked him first. So <laughs> yeah, no, you've got, and I don't think I picked Sissons or on or, or Aris as well. So I think yeah, you've got yeah. got a hat trick of new and yeah. Paul Hilton. I think's come up. I think Hilton's come up before. I think I think Hilton's yeah. come up before. But someone will go. Faubert also a new one, I believe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and John Charles. So in fact, <laughs> it's, it's only it's only Bobby Moore and Jimmy Walker that have come up so far. Uh, there'll, there'll be one. There'll be one more that will make it. 
All right, let's go. Let's go up front then, Gordon. Who's your first? Who's your first striker? Um, I've got him playing up front, although he did play in absolutely every position um, for us, and it's Martin Peters. Yeah. Um, partly because he was just great, and partly again, there's a little personal story about yeah. Um, yeah. speaking to him on the phone once of all things, um, and I can't remember where it was, who it was, but he was away somewhere, and um, a friend of mine. Um, had basically been talking to him. They were in a bar or something like that. And I got a phone call. It says, you've got, you got to speak to him. You'll never guess who I've got with me. And I've been sat at home, and this was many years ago now. And um, they were doing um, the big match revisited on the telly. Sure. And not, not two hours before this phone call, I'd sat down and they'd showed Peters at the end of his career playing for Norwich. And... Um, he scored a goal for Norwich that um, it was so Martin Peters. It was that late run. You know, the ball's gone in there and, and defenders stood there and all of a sudden, from nowhere, He's deep ready. run, Peters has come in, headed. It was pure West Ham and it was, you know, it, Martin Peters was the end of his career. <coughs> but that was a sort of throwback. And when I saw that, I just thought... So anyway, the phone went and, and, and he said, oh, well, you know, we introduced each other and I said that... I said, you're not going to believe this. Literally a couple of hours ago, I've been watching you on the box. They've done the big match revisited. And I said, uh, you, you scored. I said, it was so typical you, that goal you scored for Norwich against Leeds. And, and he said, yeah. He said, um, it, it, was, it was a case of um, beforehand. When I started off, he said it was deliberate. You know, the sort of hanging back and making yeah. the late run. And um, by, by that time, he said it was just because that was as soon as I could get there. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 he, and before he went, he said, listen, he said, before we go, he says, I've got to thank you. He said, what's that? He said, well, thank you for not mentioning the back pass that I did at the end of the uh, game that gave Leeds their equaliser. <laughs> I, I sold it. Norwich keeper's Kevin Keelan, is his name. He, he said, I sold him well short there. He said, so thanks for not mentioning that. I said, I, I thought I'd let you off that one. So, just a lovely little conversation with a guy yeah. sadly no longer with us. Yeah. Um, um, very ill as well, that, that awful um, yes, dementia yeah. that he yeah, had. He and I was just lucky that I got that that little two minute chat. Yeah, with him. exactly. And um, and possibly technically, um, arguably of the three World Cup winners, technically possibly the most gifted. But mm. um, you know, Bobby Moore played the game in his head. Hurst was just Hurst sort of thing. Mm. But Martin Peters was uh, the ten years ahead of his time was yeah. was not inaccurate. Um, mm. yeah, cracking player, and I must admit. Um, as a nine-year-old when he went to Tottenham, um, oh, gutted. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember, I think it was, I think when we did, um, I think it was Martin, we did Martin Godleman, he was like, he, he, Peters was, was the one that got him into West Ham because mm. he obviously watched and obviously, you know, nowadays if someone moves from one club to another, you know about it because it's on yeah. Twitter, they're announcing it on Instagram and Snapchat mm. and he missed the phone, he missed the, the TV you know, news yeah. announcement, and his first game was Tottenham West Ham at Tottenham. When and that was almost and that was and Martin Peters had already signed for Tottenham, and he turned up <laughs> no, all excited about watching Martin Peters play to find out he was on the wrong fucking yeah. team. And he was like, ah, you know, absolutely brilliant. Well, that's the thing these days. I mean, um, you know, if you were stuck away somewhere trying mm. to find a football result was a complete nightmare. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, two seconds on your phone, you've got it, but yeah. Um, you know, if you're you at work and West Ham were playing and you, you couldn't get to, you know, wouldn't well, hardly ever on the telly anyway. And, um, you know, sort of, you know, 
desperately <laughs> ringing home at about sort of half past 10 at night when um, hoping that your dad had stayed up and watched news at 10 for yeah. the football yeah. results because that's the only way he was going to get it. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Considering the world I mean, we're in now. It's one of the things I do miss, was, again, going back to the old 1960s yeah. um, days where um, you come out of the ground and somehow within a couple of minutes you come out of the ground, you'd be walking back to wherever your dad parked the car. You get in the car, you'd be driving along Barking Road or somewhere, and um, you'd have newspaper boys running up and down the queues in the car, flogging the standard or the evening news at a Saturday edition, which would have all the results in the stock press at the bottom, most of them anyway, I mean, a few yeah. might have been late in. Um, <clears throat> the back page would have a sort of first half match report on um, one of the games, and then all the results, so you'd be buying a whole paper for this little strip at the bottom of the paper. Wow. That, and you know, it was amazing me that they'd be able to get that done. Yeah. Um, they, they stopped publishing on Saturdays. And um, I do remember there was, um, going home from matches, by this time you know, I was travelling to and from Hampshire for games. And um, um, I would, you'd stop off at Waterloo and there'd be the, um, oh, the Birmingham Evening Mail. They'd have a copy of that on sale. Or the, um, I can't remember the name of the paper, but it was something like the Western, something else. it was the Cardiff equivalent. <laughs> so you'd be buying these <laughs> things. The Cardiff one in particular was um, 90% of it you couldn't pronounce. And you just <laughs> went for the back page with all the results on it. But, it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it's but, crazy. Um, that, yeah, it's such a bizarre. But anyway, yeah, compared to now, where it's like, as you yeah. said, you get, a, you get a ping on your phone as soon as a goal happens. And it, yeah, it's mental. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Who's, who's Peter's going to partner up front? That's right. Good. This is where we do plumb debts. Um, yep. and, and people will say, oh, the worst player I ever saw. And um, I try and find something good in most players. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, Hilton. Even, and, uh, yeah, I've met Alan McKnight um, talking yeah. goalkeepers who will be universally slagged off for his goalkeeping. Mm. Um, I've met him a couple of times. He's a lovely bloke and he, you know, he, is. he, he, will, he will say to you, he, he will put his hand up and he said, yeah, I had a terrible time. I was awful. Yeah. And, and you suddenly think, yeah, God, what did I shout at him all those times? Exactly, yeah. yeah. In this totally. case, I think, I think if I met the guy, I probably wouldn't change my opinion of him. Uh, and it's John Radford. And um, so this was um, uh, 71, 1970-71, Arsenal did the double. First time it had been done um, since, I think Spurs had done it earlier on in the 60s. And it, yeah. it, it, only the second time it had been done since the turn of the century, yeah, 1900. Sure. And um, Radford had formed an integral part of that team. And um, so what happens... He goes through a few seasons where he hardly plays through injury and typical West Ham, West Ham sign him. Yeah. Now, <laughs> uh, by this time I was, uh, yeah, if I'd been nine or 10 when we signed him, um, I might've been a little bit more, oh, we signed somebody who's won the league. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I was in my mid-teens by this time. I can't remember the exact year we signed him, but certainly in my teens, getting to be a bit more cynical about things. And there was somebody who couldn't get in Arsenal's team, and um, and he was rubbish. He really <laughs> was. Um, he played twenty, I think, twenty-eight league games and two cup games. He played for us. Didn't ever look like scoring. And I watched some of these big matches he visited. And Brian Moore, bless him, lovely bloke, lovely bloke, Brian Moore. Perhaps a bit like me, tries to see the best in everyone. Kept saying, "Oh, John Rafford hasn't scored, but he does bring something to the West Ham attack." 
and um, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, sort of lethargy. Um, <laughs> sort of, um, no, no. I, I always put him, it's the worst player I've ever seen play for West Ham. Um, and um, so you think he then signed for Blackburn Rovers uh, pre Jimmy, um, not Jimmy Walker, um, whatever his Walker, the guy who owned them. Yeah. Before yeah, he, Walker, yeah. so they were sort of very much mid table, yeah. Division two sort of level. Um, signed for Blackburn Rovers, scored on his debut. I mean, <laughs> it's, just, it's the West Ham way, isn't it? It's, it's so West Ham. And uh, I was reading some stuff about him a while back, um, and um, somebody had, had, had agreed with me. I think it might have been Pete May's book yeah. um, about West Ham years ago, and he, he said, "Oh, um, I think he, Pete may have been based up in the northwest and read the local paper that Radford had got a ghost-written column in there." And he said every week it seemed to say, um, uh, oh, "I'm on for a hat trick." I thought I was on for a hat trick, then my hamstring went or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it just never looked happy being at West Ham yeah. either. It was a miserable so-and-so. Um, if he came in here and he might be a lovely guy like Alan McKnight or whatever, and I might be doing him a disservice, but no, not not having him as a West Ham player. It's just, uh, <laughs> get annoyed every time I think about him. Sort of like, <laughs> I, I swear I put more energy into walking to and from the car than, than, than he put into a game half the time. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, him and Peters, you've got like a juxtapositioning up front. Yeah, yeah, Love yeah. it. Yeah, the good, the bad. Yeah, and a few of them are quite ugly as well. I'll give them that as well. Yeah, 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 Gordon, yeah. it's been absolutely brilliant. I, I've absolutely yeah. loved it. It's been lovely listening to the stories. And obviously, someone like you, you know, an experienced fan as well, having <laughs> the early... It that's shows nice them only 21, that's really. A, yeah, yeah. Really I can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. Experience is a nice way of saying it, but it's lovely <laughs> okay, to hear yeah. some story. And obviously, there's some players here that I've, I've never heard of. And then that's the whole... That's the beauty of this thing, because I'm learning more about the history and stuff of, of West Ham. Do, do you know, I reckon that somewhere up north, Peter Eustace, his wife, is sitting there with him, and they'll have happened across this podcast and she'll have said, did you play for West Ham then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got, I've got to find a way to keep it to player selected purely because his name rhymed with a, a cartoon. With Houston. Yeah. Love it. Gordon in brilliant. Thank you so much. Ah, you're welcome. Pleasure. And, Been a pleasure. Thank, thank you to everyone for watching. Obviously, like, share, subscribe. And until next time, guys, stay safe and take Sports Social Podcast Network.